Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation, a podcast about Star Trek by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Adam Pranica, and I'm Ben Harrison. Ben, whenever it- possible, I'm trying to use uh, NPR-style introductions. So <laughs> I'll introduce myself, and then I'll leave a big pause before the "I'm" and my name. Have you noticed that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because y- I'm trying to get us picked up and syndicated on uh, on NPR. <laughs> I think this. This show is uh, right in the public radio wheelhouse. I right. don't know why we haven't been picked up already. Is R your middle name? Because if, if we're going to go to NPR, you're going to need a strong middle name. That is, it is my middle nom de plume. Yeah. So. I, I would be uh, Adam Lewis Pranica wow. if we were on NPR. Nice. Um, I got a strange Twitter hater recently. <laughs> Uh, who like it was like an egg account, and they said like, why don't you go by your your given middle name and show some respect to your family? What? And I can only assume it was some member of my distant family that I'm not in touch with. But wow. it was it was such a strange, such a strange interaction. It was the first time I've had to block an egg. No way. So I mean, you blocked a family member. I guess I don't. It, I mean, I have no idea if that's actually what was going on, or if it was some strange spam gambit, or or what. But was it one message and and you're blocked, or did you have a conversation yeah, I, with this person? No, I blocked him right away. Wow, made me feel too too yucky to even contemplate what it might be. So, yeah, that's gross. Yeah, jeez, keep, keep your bad feelings to yourselves, people. Yeah, unless you're uh, unless you're pissing all over our iTunes reviews. <laughs> uh, keep it to yourself. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Mm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. You want to start the show? We got a uh, coming of age. We uh, start this episode with Wesley bumping into a sullen buddy in the hallway of the Enterprise. Who his name is Curland, Jake Curland. Yeah, I, I think I think everyone just calls him Jake. Yeah, he's upset because unlike Wesley, he did not get into the Starfleet entrance exam round robin. So this is a a pretty Wesley-centric episode. And basically, the conflict that Wesley will be experiencing is that Starfleet Academy allows four four people to compete for one spot every year. (laughs) It's a really confusing situation because it... Makes it seem like Starfleet Academy has an entering class of one, and Wesley is c- competing for that one spot with four brilliant aliens from all, all over the uh, United Federation of Planets. Clearly, uh, hair isn't one of the metrics that that the <laughs> uh, that the Academy looks at because right off the bat, Jake has got amazing hair. Like he's totally Patrick Swayzeing out. Yeah, and Wesley's got more of like a Pee-wee haircut in this episode. We can't know for sure, but I imagine uh, Will Wheaton saw that he was gonna be uh, in the A story and and went out to get a haircut before the shoot. And <laughs> I don't know, he looks like fresh out of the seat at Supercuts. It's a little yeah. unfortunate. It's a uh, it's more Pee-wee-ish than than he's ever been. And yeah, it's super Pee-wee. 
<laughs> Soup's B. <laughs> <laughs> this this show always turns into Star Trek haircast. Yeah, we, we might as well just rebrand around this this hair theme that we've been pursuing. Uh, <laughs> if anyone would like to buy ad space on the show, I think we definitely recommend uh, stylists of all kinds. <laughs> yeah, great clips for hair, supercuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways, no sooner has Wesley beamed down to uh, this planet that uh, he's going to be testing on then admiral quinn and his attache commander remick have have beamed up and quinn is uh throwing his weight around early and often telling picard that for reasons that he cannot explain remick is going to be going over the enterprise bolt by bolt leaving no stone unturned trying to find out what is wrong on the enterprise and that's like all of the explanation that he's willing to offer. Yeah, it's a it's a tension that permeates the entire episode because uh, in in Picard's captain's log, he's like, "Yeah, me and Quinn are are buds from back in the day. I'm yeah. I'm actually really excited to have him on board." And as soon as he beams up, Quinn just big dogs the shit out of him. Yeah, this is the second time we've seen an admiral pop onto the transporter pad and treat Picard like a real sniveling bitch. It's going to be a trend, really. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy. Like he like he's a captain, yes, but he's also like the most prestigious captain in the Starfleet, right? Sure. Uh, no one no one treats him that way. Nope. It's like he has a huge skeleton in his closet <laughs> yeah. that everyone knows about. Yeah. Well, this episode we also find out that Wesley is 15 going on 16. He's turning 16 in a month. And I don't know what the age of consent is in the Federation. But, uh, you know, it's it's 16 in a lot of places on Earth. Look, if the Federation's cool with arranged marriage, uh, who knows what they're willing to accept as far as uh, as far as far uh, age of consent. Right. But, but I sort of wonder if that's sort of when the bloom comes off the rose for Picard and he starts looking for... <laughs> A younger side piece. I tell you what, you couldn't do better than Jake. <laughs> Guy's a, a fine-looking kid. Yeah. I mean, he's he's basically walking around the ship with a varsity letterman's jacket on. Like, yeah. Like, he's got that look. But do you think he has that victim psychology that Picard <laughs> likes to exploit? <laughs> well, I think we're about to find out because uh, Jake, Jake has a storyline here. Yeah. And some pretty clear daddy issues. Be- before we get too far from our hair discussion... Uh-huh. <laughs> I also just wanted to bring up Riker's hair in this episode, which seems to be also different. I'm wondering yeah. if they brought in like the B team on hair and makeup for this app because Riker is as close to Donald Trump as any human I have ever seen with his haircut in this episode. Yeah. Like Donald Trump has a an incredibly strange hairdo. Like whatever you think about the man or his politics, uh, like. You'd have to admit that it's the most unique haircut you've ever seen. And Riker pretty much nails it, but in in a nice auburn color in this episode. <laughs> a nice chestnut. So things kind of kick off. You know, Wes gets started with his, his testing for Starfleet uh, admissions, and he meets the pretty babe, the... Uh, the Vulcan and the what is it Benzite the the alien Mordok that uh, that he's testing against yeah yeah and uh, I think this Benzite guy qualifies as the most alien alien we've seen in the first season yeah he's blue 
He's wet. Yeah. And he's vaping at all times. <laughs> yeah, he has like the thing that Billy Joel would have to keep his mouth harp in place. Yeah, he's he's got sort of like fish gill mouth and he sort of uh he sort of presses this vape pen up into his mouth to get mm-hmm. a hit. I think it's a way of the show to sort of telegraph to us that he might have some compromised ethics. <laughs> or or in like uh in in like D and D parlance, he might be a chaotic bro. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of the classifications in D&D, chaotic bro? <laughs> if if you're using a vape pen to the degree that it's always on your person and basically in front of your face like like Neil Young playing a harmonica, then yeah, that's uh that's chaotic bro. Yeah. I I I always prefer lawful bro, but I'll take a chaotic bro <laughs> if I have to. Sure, sure. <laughs> Uh, so so Wesley's up to that. Remnick starts. Or I'm going to call him Remnick a million times. It's Remick. Yeah, I think it's uh, Remick. Starts just kind of dicking around all over the ship, you know, like leering over Data's shoulder while Data's trying to work at ops and uh, taking notes very conspicuously. And Data's like, "Dude, what the fuck do you want?" Yeah, Data, who isn't bothered by anyone making fun of him at any point, is right. bothered by Remick. <laughs> and. Uh, and Riker gets like gets a real bee in his bonnet about it. Remick's gonna turn this ship upside down. Tries to complain to the captain, and the captain's like, "You just have to deal with it. I'm pissed off about it too, man." You can tell Riker is really upset because he goes to his leaning wall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He's like, "This Remick guy's really pissing me off," and then he turns to the wall and just sort of like cozies up to it. Yeah, Riker does a lot of great physicality in this episode there's definitely a point where Remick like hauls him into the ready room and Riker does the classic leg swing over the chair move yeah the Riker maneuver yeah (laughs) you know because if he sat down normally it would crush his prodigious sack (laughs) I think this was the first time we've seen it right yeah I think it might be the the unveiling of the Riker maneuver so anyways as as shit is popping off on the bridge this kid Jake decides to go and do something rather rash at him. Yeah, he uh, he steals a shuttlecraft. He gets all butthurt about not getting into the academy and uh, hops into a shuttlecraft, knows enough to fly it out of the shuttle bay, but then as soon as he's out into space, he totally freaks out and, <laughs> and, and figures out that he can't control it at all, which I think is amazing because I would think the like the ability to fly it out of a cargo bay door would be an amount of skill greater than navigating open space, but evidently not. Well, uh, much much like the 9-11 hijackers, he was interested in learning to take off, but not so much in learning to land. Yeah, never forget. <laughs> so uh, Remick's on the bridge, and, and he gets to uh, see that a shuttle craft has been hijacked and is just crawling up Picard's ass about this. Like, Isn't that area secured? Not now, Remick. How is this possible? Captain, you got you've got kids stealing shuttlecrafts. Pretty legitimate question, actually. Like, yeah, how yeah, is he's a, not wrong. a non-enlisted, non-crew member who lives on this ship able to just walk into the shuttle bay, get on a shuttle, and bounce? Yeah, and I think it's a little more believable because we don't see it. Like, we're basically on the bridge when when he gets the signal that a shuttle's been stolen. So this yeah. figure skater is in a shuttlecraft, <laughs> uh, cruising around, and then he loses control almost immediately. And in, Does uh, not stick that triple lutz. No. He, uh, he almost sow-cows it into the planet's atmosphere. 
Uh, but uh, not before Picard just sort of uh, talks him down. He's uh, Picard. Picard soothingly uh, hails him and says, "Look, buddy, you got to aim at the planet. Aim it right for the planet, and then build up some speed, and then pull up. That's all you need to do." And yep. and no one on the bridge seems to believe this is a viable plan. They, yeah, they, Data has already announced that this kid is dead meat. Yeah, so. <laughs> and I think the uh, I think the hailing frequency is still on, so Jake can probably hear every <laughs> other bridge crew person go, "Oh yeah, this guy's fucked." <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, the one guy the one guy you respect the most is telling you basically to commit suicide, according to uh, your understanding of the situation. Yeah, he steers toward the planet and bounces off of the atmosphere. Uh, I think it's interesting that as they're coming up with plans to save him, uh, like they go down the checklist. Like we can't beam him back. We can't uh, get him with a with a tractor beam. Right. Like like because he's out of range. Right. And it's been like fifteen seconds since he took off. But at no point do they decide to move the ship. Right. Yeah. Like moving the ship is not an option. Like we can't move closer to the shuttlecraft. That shuttlecraft is, I guess, too fast. I don't know. I thought that was weird. It was a very convenient no-solution problem, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he regains control and evidently flies back into the shuttle bay. Yeah, so he did know how to land. Huh. Yeah. It is a guiding principle of a dark meeting base. Have you can't find it within yourself to stand up and tell the truth, you don't deserve to wear that uniform. So that little crisis was averted, and this was this is like a moment you see Remix shovel-faced facade sort of uh sort of crack a little bit yeah he he does a full-on fist pump yeah yeah it's pretty good yeah so uh despite uh seeing the competence of the bridge crew here uh remick continues poking around and there's a great scene like uh where it's like kind of shot reverse shot of remick interviewing data and then wharf and then the doctor and then the captain where it's like it's like he asks a question the answer he asks another question it cuts back it's like the next crew member and uh you know it's all just kind of building up to this confrontation with picard where picard is just fucking at the end of his rope and he's like the only thing i'm guilty of is allowing the charade to go on so long pretty fucking great pronunciation of charade I think that's the first of maybe 18 different pronunciations of that word throughout the series. <laughs> I feel like I got my $5 worth already, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Picard storms into Admiral Quinn's uh, quarters and says that this, this Remick shit has gone on for long enough and uh, he's pretty sick of it. Remick uh, wanders into the room and informs Quinn that he basically hasn't found a speck of dust uh, on on the British crew other than they're they're all real good pals. Uh, so he he can he can find no no fault with how Picard has operated the enterprise despite the fact that he does identify a time when Picard violated the prime directive. Only one, which I felt like it was a short count. We're 18 episodes in. And I think this is the first episode that actually refers to other episodes. Yeah. And it's an episode that is setting the table for a future episode as right. well, which uh, which I feel like is, I don't know, it it, uh, it feels like it doesn't quite have its own self-contained plot, but it definitely held my interest because of, of those things. Like, it felt a little bit more modern 
as a as an episode because it felt very connective. Yeah, yeah. One area of improvement though was that scene between Picard and Quinn, where uh, where Picard walks into Quinn's quarters. There is maybe the biggest mark I've ever seen on the carpet. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> like they do the establishing shot a little wider than I think uh, than I think they intended, and. Yeah. You can see Picard approach Quinn's desk, and then Quinn walks around the desk and is totally pinging the mark on the floor as he does his turnaround. <laughs> like, it's pretty great. Yeah, you know, there was there's another scene in this episode in uh, the holodeck where Wesley is, like, leaning against a wall, and you get close enough to the wall to see that that yellow grid is just tape on, like, really low-grade particle board. Like you see the texture in the in the in the plywood that they've used to construct the holodeck set, and it really broke the uh, illusion for me. Um, like they probably told Will Wheaton, "Look, you can't put your full weight against the wall, like <laughs> yeah. like Riker does against his leaning wall. You gotta, yeah. you gotta really." We have not it. reinforced it quite as much as that room in, <laughs> on the bridge, uh, but. Uh, Worf wanders in, and this is actually like a pretty. I I think it's the first scene where we've really had a a deep character moment for Worf. Yeah, um, the first time he's had more than two lines. Yeah, continuously. And, and uh, Wesley asks him about uh, this psych test that's coming up, and um, and and the psych test basically is notorious because it tests a cadet against. Uh, the thing that they fear the most and Wesley's really worried about it and asks Worf, a, a warrior, how they could test him and uh, Worf has a great line. I thought there was nothing that could frighten a Klingon warrior. Only fools have no fear. I felt like it was a good moment. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, I think one of the greatest fears Wesley's probably already overcome, which is like, what do you do when you get a really terrible haircut? <laughs> You just got to wear that shit until it grows out. Yeah. You Can't gotta, let it stop you. You got to fake it until it grows out. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. 
Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Back to the meeting with... Kurt, uh, with Quinn and Captain Picard and and Remick, uh, Quinn sort of confides in Picard that uh, he really needed to reassure himself of his trust in Picard and the crew because uh, something has infiltrated Starfleet. Some insidious force is at work in in the command structure of Starfleet, and what he's decided is to bring all of the trustworthy officers he can around him. So he's offering Picard an increase in rank to Admiral and the job of being the commandant of Starfleet Academy. And uh, Picard is pretty taken aback by this offer. He's definitely going to give it some serious consideration. Because it's like the Catholic Church moving moving one of their priests to a, to a different parish, <laughs> to basically the ultimate parish. Yeah, yeah, come back to the Vatican. Just a limitless supply of, of 16-year-olds for Picard. <laughs> God, could you imagine? Yeah. Shaping young minds indeed. <laughs> so Picard's got to think on this a while. He doesn't give him an answer right, right. away. He's like, huh. All right, well, give me the evening. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to consider your kind offer. I'm going to mull it over. So meanwhile, we're back with Wesley on the surface as he's taking these tests. And these tests are like, uh, put these dots into this big cube of, <laughs> of places for the dots to go. Yeah, and, it's, like, uh, and, it's like a really bad iPhone game. <laughs> yeah. it's. Uh, I mean, we're, we're made to believe that there are some, some mental gymnastics happening here, uh, but... 
all these tests are pretty inscrutable to us, save the psychological test. Right. So, uh, so they finish all basically the the written and the math portion of the test, and and all that's left is the psychological exam. We're we're told by the professor that everyone is extremely close in terms of score. So, I think we all understand the stakes going in to the psych exam. And uh, if Wesley nails this, I think we think his chances are pretty good at getting in. So. Uh, Wesley is led to the room where the psych exam will take place, and Mordock walks out. Are you all right? I will be. He looks like someone stole his vape pen. He is real sad. <laughs> his his hands look bruised for some reason. And Wes is like, hey, bud. Yeah, I didn't notice that his pinky, on, on this alien, the pinky is the biggest finger on the hand. Oh, I didn't get that, no. It's always weird when they do something to the hands, because it's not something you notice until they're, like, the only thing in frame. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, he's definitely, it's definitely a whiff of death. Yeah, so this only serves to make Wes even more nervous about what's going to happen. So he's led into uh, the room where Mordock just was, and... (laughs) It's the cheapest-looking room that ever was or ever will be a set in Star Trek. It's like literally just a bunch of plywood with a single coat of paint on it not really plausibly connected to the floor in any way One you see key the seams and all the frame. all the flats yeah it is so cheap looking yeah and it it sort of serves to elevate uh, the tension i mean if once you get past the <laughs> the comedy of what it looks like it's right. just a chair in a room and wesley's fears so we're in there a little bit and Wes is like, "All right, I'm ready to go." <laughs> he sits there for like a couple of a couple of beats, and then he hears an explosion outside the door. And he's like, "Well, I guess uh, I guess they're not going to do the test." So he rolls out of the room and uh, walks down the hall. Here's another explosion and some screams. And he and he uh, he opens up the door and he sees shit has gone down in this room. <laughs> There's a big pipe that's broken, and a bunch of steam is coming out, and and two people are crushed inside. And yeah. they're screaming at him. Well, one of them is crushed, and the other is just cowering behind an I-beam. Right. There's an older guy who's been who's been sprayed with a fire extinguisher, and he's yeah. got a big heavy pipe on him. And then, like, fat Seth MacFarlane is over in the corner just whimpering and, you know, totally beside himself, unable to right, right. affect any, any positive uh, improvement in the situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Wes, Wes is, like, using his 15-year-old strength... <laughs> to, uh, you know, like you hear stories of people in crazy situations, like little girls lifting cars off of their dads when they're changing a tire and the jack breaks. Like, right. You know, he's 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 filled with super strength as he as he picks up this pipe and drags the uh, the pipe guy out of the room. All the while, the scared guy is just screaming at Wes like, We're going to die in here! He's the, the Hudson from Aliens of, of the... <laughs> Of the situation. Game so over, Wes, man. Yeah. Wes drags the guy out, the door closes, and uh, and his professor is outside yeah. to greet him. And and Wes is freaked out. He says, Officer Chang! This- Wesley! It's all right. It's funny. The, uh, the guy whose legs are theoretically crushed stands up and, like, brushes some, but not very much of the... Of the flocking off of his jacket, and he's like, "Thanks a lot." <laughs> Later. <laughs> yeah, great job by that guy. <laughs> yeah. 
I like acting within acting, you know? Yeah, That's totally. Pretty complex. You had good business. Yeah. Darmok Angelad at Tanaga. The results are in, and of all of the cadets, Mordok, the Benzite, had the edge in, in terms of overall score and is granted admission to Starfleet Academy. So Wesley is pretty is pretty bummed out, but he's encouraged to give it a shot next year when they open up admissions for one more person <laughs> into the Academy. Yeah, they must, they must not need to staff many starships at this point. Yeah. So back on the Enterprise, Picard is wandering down the hall in his dress uniform, which I feel like they changed this later in the series. But the dress uniform in these early episodes is literally like leggings and a very long dress-like top, which, uh, which looks real strange on Picard. It's sort of like when you when you see someone wearing a utilikil out in the wild. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't look right. Yeah. It's like, huh. I mean, I see what you were going for there, but hmm, doesn't hang together. Yeah, really doesn't. He uh, bumps into Jake in the hallway and gives him some some kind of words of wisdom that for for all of Jake's freaking out, he kept his wits about him when that shuttle was about to crash into the planet, and he should uh, at least realize that he has some inner strength from that moment. And then <laughs> that was so weird. Like I really saw your potential when you hijacked a, a piece of gear from the flagship of the Federation and almost killed yourself. Like get back on the horse, bud. <laughs> I thought it was cool though. I mean like his sister Remick though, like, you know, young men make stupid decisions all the time. Like we can't obviously let him just off scot free, but we also can't like hold that against him for the rest of his life or whatever. So I thought that was cool. Like he lets Riker, you know, do some discipline on him. You know, who knows what that means, but uh, cleaning his holodeck after he's done. Yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe they're playing like good cop, bad cop. (laughs) I feel like this is the first episode where you really get that benevolent Picard that we, that we come to know basically for the rest of the series. Like the, the man who is respected unequivocally, the the guy that the entire bridge crew would put it all on the line for like totally you get to hear you know during that interrogation scene earlier you you get to hear everyone talk about him and right. and it's sort of like character development through other characters yeah i think the penultimate scene is he bumps into wesley in the observation lounge and they talk about the entrance exam and wesley is really ashamed that he didn't get in and picard once again uh reassures a young member of his crew and even confides in Wesley that he didn't in fact pass the first time he uh, attempted the Starfleet entrance exam. That gives him a lot of hope. He's like, holy shit, are you serious? Yeah, Picard scolds him. He's like, don't ever tell anyone that. So yeah. uh, so Wes has a bunch of Picard secrets to keep at this point. Yeah, yeah. This may be the least worst. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this This was another episode where a girl clearly hits on Wes and Wes doesn't know what to do with it. Yeah. Like, like when he's when he's doing the testing, there's a pretty pretty cool chick down there who's uh who's clearly giving him some vibes. I can't imagine what it would be like to have things come so easily. I have to push every step of the way. Oh no, Oleana, it doesn't come that easily. Wes basically tells Mordock how great it is that a girl <laughs> is interested in him and yet does nothing. Yeah, it's it, there's even a scene where she like 
is introducing herself to him and he's like, okay, I'm going to go over here now and then goes over and talks to Mordok. <laughs> I think he's more interested in being cool than having a girlfriend because he sees Mordok and he sees the vape pen. Like, I yeah. don't know, if you're, if you're a 15-year-old trying to find someone to model yourself after, it's probably a, it's probably chaotic bro at that point. <laughs> the only other scene that we haven't talked about at this point is when Picard tells Riker that he's been offered an admiralty and a spot at the academy and Riker gets a huge grin on his face and it's clear that Riker is excited about the prospect of being the captain of the Enterprise until Picard tells him like no 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 I'm not actually going to take the job (laughs) it's like uh, the first time Riker has had this option that didn't involve Captain Picard beaming himself into space <laughs> under an alien's influence. <laughs> yeah, this this constant teasing of Riker with the prospect of becoming captain, uh, it happens pretty frequently in this first season. Yeah. They, they spend a lot of time on it in the first season, which is a crazy thing to think about given that there are seven seasons of this show. Like, they really have to lay off after this because... Like, it's going to start to look pathetic if you can't advance in the ranks. Yeah, I mean, we also get, uh, I mean, you alluded to it before, this idea of a conspiracy within the Federation. There's uh, That part of it is unresolved. Like, Quinn and Remick beam off, but Quinn gives him a gives Picard in the transporter room a pretty strong warning about forces conspiring that, yeah. that they can't control. And so that's a fun little tease for what's going to happen later. Totally. Uh, ben. Yes, Adam. As you were watching this episode, did you find a drunk Shimoda? Incredible! Drunk Shimoda! I sure did. So drunk Shimoda is obviously our award for any member of the crew or cast having a great time or just doing something that seems like a drunk guy move. And uh, I'll award mine this episode to Commander Remick. Just for one bonehead move he pulls, which is after all of this hassle that he's put the crew through, and to the extent that the captain of the ship has gone to Remick's boss and complained about it, and the boss has been like, yeah, you were kind of a dick, Remick. Remick uh, is about to leave the room, and he's like, My tour in the inspector general's office will be up in six months. When I'm finished, this is where I'd like to serve, sir. And Picard just smolders as <laughs> as he scowls at Remick. Like, Remick completely missed the mark with uh, when the right moment to unload that little gem was. Ben, I completely agree, and for the same reason. The same exact reason was the thing I wrote in my note. It felt like uh, Remick is, like, using that seduction community strategy of negging yeah. someone. <laughs> it feels like the entire episode is is Remick negging. And then at, yeah. the, at, at the end, he's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'd love to be here. It's a surprise that the costume department didn't have him in a fedora with a giant feather in it. Yeah, exactly. But but they have a pretty strong rule about one bro per episode, and that was clearly Mordok. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, we are in complete agreement. Drunk Shimoda is Remick, the quagmire-looking... Lieutenant Commander. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. Uh, what do we have coming up next time? Next episode, uh, the next unvetoable episode is uh, number 19, Heart of Glory. Or I guess number 20 if you're using 
proper <laughs> numbering mm-hmm. technique. Uh, Lieutenant Worf is torn between his loyalty to the Enterprise and his fierce Klingon heritage when two Klingon fugitives take over the ship. Uh, now, that's a description that does not jog my memory at all, other than a scene where I remember them like pulling little pieces of their uniforms apart and making a gun out of them. That is seared in my, you know, seven or eight-year-old memory. But. If this is that episode, I also do remember that part. They pull like the little uh, little horn off of the boot, and, they're, and, they, <laughs> yeah. and they make a gun out of a belt buckle. It's a real MacGruber type of scene where they're like yeah. making something big out of a bunch of little parts. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I, I feel like I feel like there were probably times when I was a child when I would attempt to secrete uh, various weapon components around my my person so that they wouldn't be detected based on this scene alone so like uh like a rubber band and a paper yeah, clip and exactly uh, like when you take apart those uh those those little click bic pens like with the spring yep. and and a little piece of plastic inside you'd you'd squirrel those away on your person yeah exactly one of them's in my shoe you know the uh, rubber bands are on my wrist like what this is just my bracelet you were a bad man ben yeah bad man uh, the reception for this one was mixed, but mostly positive. Overly histrionic <laughs> was was the way they described one part of this episode. And, oh, they and uh, and a forgettable mess was uh, was another short review. I don't know. Well, I've forgotten a lot of it, but I remember that one part. I think most of the receptions I'm reading for episodes in the first season are mixed to negative. And yeah. if they're anything like Remick, they're eventually going to come around and start loving the show again in probably a really creepy way. All this nagging yeah. in the reception. <laughs> they just want to bang Star Trek. <laughs> Why don't you love me back? You should love me. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, me too. I tell you what, let's adjourn and come back next time with a new episode of Star Trek The Next Generation to talk about. That's a, that's a great plan. That's a plan we've had from the start. Oh, yeah. uh, if you ever want to reach out to either of us, we're, we're both uh, talking on the Twitters. I'm uh, at Cut for Time. I'm at Benjamin R, A-H-R. And we share a great hashtag called Greatest Gen. Uh, there you can talk to the other 10 fans who listen to this show. <laughs> and uh and interact with our aging world war ii veteran community i've i've been seeing some world war one stuff on there as well really well, that's, so that's pretty exciting i'm sure they appreciate our company yeah old people are always looking for companionship ben <laughs> and star trek stuff yeah <laughs> uh we also have to thank uh dark materia for our uh, opening and interstitial music you can find the picard song just about everywhere online uh you can also send us an email we're at drunkshimoda at gmail.com we're starting to get some emails there so thanks for those all right i've been adam pranik and we'll see you next time where we take you through another exciting episode of star trek the next generation and uh do it in the least shameful way possible see ya bye